Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. If your teen is struggling in school or unmotivated to even try, this episode is for you. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Noreen Russell, the founder of Russell Coaching. Dr. Russell's passion for providing support to frustrated students and weary parents is fueled by her own experience of raising two neurologically atypical children with diagnoses of autism, mood disorders, ADHD, giftedness, and learning differences. Dr. Russell knows firsthand the exhaustion parents face as they seek solutions for their out-of-the-box children. In today's episode, Dr. Russell is going to give us some tips on how to best support and encourage our teens. Welcome, Dr. Russell. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk with you this morning. Yeah. So tell us a little bit first about how kind of your experience with your kids and how this led into starting Russell coaching. Absolutely. So my background, um, like yours, is in developmental psychology. And I taught at the college level for several years. And um, in the midst of, of doing that, really developed an applied research program and focus, which led me into doing youth development work in nonprofits. And then I had my son and retired from being a nonprofit CEO and had people ask me if I would work individually with their student doing mentoring and coaching. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't really know what that looked like 12 years ago. But um, now I love what I'm doing. It's so very consistent with my values. And I think such a necessary part of the landscape in terms of options for students who are struggling. Yeah. So have you seen a big change from when you started to now in terms of what kids are struggling with? You know, I think I've always seen the population of kids who, you know, just developmentally don't fit in with their peers, whether that's because they're socially awkward and perhaps, you know, have some characteristics of autism or an actual autism diagnosis, or they have ADHD and they're developmentally delayed in a few areas because of that. And so I think because I have worked consistently for the last 12 years with kids who have autism, ADHD, or anxiety, you know, what, what I'm seeing really hasn't changed that much, which in some ways, I'll be honest with you, is frustrating because I wish that our schools were able to better create safer, more nurturing spaces for kids who are atypical. Yeah. Um, I mean, my daughter is diagnosed with ADHD. So this is a daily topic of conversation with us too. And what are some of the suggestions you have for parents Because you just mentioned anxiety too, which from my practice, anxiety is, and I'm not laughing, I'm just, it's, anxiety has become 
just universal at this point when it comes to students. I'm seeing so many kids. So how do we help our children that are dealing with these are struggling in school? How do we help them to become more engaged and help them? Well, you know, I think the idea of how do we engage our students in school is certainly a complicated one. So I'm excited to talk with you about it this morning. I think that, you know, things have shifted from a generation ago where, you know, you did what your parents told you to or what was expected or else. And the or else, you know, if you were lucky, was sort of left unsaid. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was definitely just a more authoritarian approach to parenting. And I think that's changed in this generation where we really are seeking more to understand and connect with our students. And we want to really see them as whole, complete human beings with thoughts and feelings of their own. So that's a pretty broad brushstroke introduction to the idea that I think first, if you want to genuinely help your student engage in school, you have to understand what their experience of school is. And particularly, you need to understand and listen to what are the challenges? What are the roadblocks? Um, So for example, my children made the transition to middle school this year. And my daughter kept saying, I hate middle school. I want to go back to fifth grade. And of course, it could have been very easy to say something like, You go to a great school, like you have wonderful teachers, right? All of those things are true. She both doesn't currently enjoy middle school and she goes to a great school with wonderful teachers. And so I think starting from a place of listening to what is their experience and what are their challenges is the most important piece. And That's because when people feel heard, then they can sort of settle down and start problem solving. Yeah, I mean, that is so critical is I think as parents, we want to cheerlead. We want to encourage and inspire and, you know, pep them up. And what happens is they just feel talked over, right, and not understood. And so how do parents improve our ability? Because we think we're listening. Mm-hmm. but our kids still aren't feeling heard. So mm-hmm. where's the disconnect? Well, I think the disconnect is when our child, our teenager, our middle school or high schooler offers up something like that. I hate middle school, right? As a parent, I have been conditioned to think, well, that's disrespectful. That's unkind. That's not in keeping with our family values. You go to a great school. You should be so lucky, you know? And again, Those things are also true. But in the moment, the priority has to be listening to and unpacking that statement. And and I think the key there is to stay calm and to stay curious. Tell me what it is about middle school that you hate. Tell me what it is that you're missing about fifth grade. Tell me what it is that you wish sixth grade was like for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think concentrating on what are your teens thoughts? What are their feelings? And what is their fantasy, right? What do they wish it could be like? And those types of questions 
will help them to unpack the experience, but also provide such an important self-talk component for them. Like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What do I wish could happen here? And then I think your next step as a parent, after you have unpacked that, is to validate those feelings. Yeah, it would be really great if you still had recess in sixth grade. I 100% agree with you. It would be really great. It would be really great if the teacher that you loved so much from fifth grade could also be one of your sixth grade teachers. I can totally see where you're coming from. She was an amazing teacher, right? Because again, what we're saying to our own selves as parents in this situation is both things are true, right? You have great teachers now and you loved your teacher from last year. And we don't need to rush to get to my conclusion and rush through your thoughts and feelings. I think the important thing is you have to trust that your teenager is going to get to that place through your skillful use of questionings. So, you know, in that situation, you know, you really wish you could still have recess. You really wish that you still had this teacher that you loved so much. And then ultimately helping, in this case, my daughter to think about, is there anything about sixth grade that you are enjoying? Is there anything that's fun about sixth grade? And to be honest, you know, we're, we're closing in on the middle, of, I mean, on the end of the first quarter here, and she still misses fifth grade. But if I discounted that, then I would create disconnection. If you discount their thoughts and feelings, you create disconnection. That it's so critical. And I think parents struggle with this because when we hear our kids say negative things, we worry that they're going to go just really negative. And if we affirm their negative things, we're just saying, yes, it's okay to be really negative about everything. Right. And so that's where we step in and go, okay, we got to teach them to see the bright side and see the positive. And so we're going to show them what that is. So how do we get past this need for them to be happy and okay? You know, I think it really comes down to having conversations with yourself. And, and if you're co-parenting with someone, having conversations with them. And so my husband, um, you know, who is the father of our children, you know, we have really different perspectives about this. For me, my belief system is that my kids are strong enough to handle tough feelings. My kids will be resilient through learning how to bounce back from that. And a lot of that, right, Dr. Kim is probably informed by being a developmental psychologist. I know that going through things that challenge them at the right level as they are scaffolded and supported will build resiliency. I know that they aren't fragile. I know that they are tough and strong. My husband probably has a much more nurturing personality and he is more fearful of what will happen to them. But I think for both of us, the self-talk has to be, you know what, they are tough enough to endure this challenge and they are smart enough to figure out a solution. And we're right here. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that has changed is that parents leap in to fixing, solving, taking away anxious feelings. Part of why I think we're seeing so much anxiety is that 
we have taught our kids that any amount of anxiety is intolerable and undesirable. Anxious feelings really have a place in a healthy person. And anxiety disorder is a different thing. But feelings of anxiety, feelings of trepidation, being nervous, that's part of the broad spectrum of human emotions. And we want to welcome that and listen to that. We really have to learn to differentiate anxious feelings from an anxiety disorder. Yeah, I, I agree so much. And I think the same is with sadness versus depression, too. I think we're so quick to jump to this like extreme where it suddenly becomes this unhealthy feeling when really it's a necessary emotion. And I think for parents, I, I like that, you know, you talk about us jumping in um, to fix things. And I think there's this level of, of urgency that we have, especially when it comes to school. Because if our kids are not engaged and don't enjoy school, the outcome, if they don't quickly get there, is their grades are going to fail. They're going to fail. They're going to end up failing out of school and not getting into college. Like we have this alert, warning, warning. We got to quickly get them through this. And I think that's where that comes from. So how do we give them space that they need to get there on their own at their own speed. (laughs) Right. And I think it starts with checking your own assumptions, right? Are my assumptions that, oh my gosh, sixth grade is going to determine the rest of my kids' lives, right? It's not. Sixth grade isn't. Seventh grade isn't. Eighth grade isn't. Ninth grade isn't, right? So it's kind of checking your assumptions. And it's checking your assumptions about, How important is this right now? Is this the only time my teenager is going to have to practice and develop this skill? And what will happen if it takes another year for this to happen? And so I think it really starts with checking our own assumptions. And the other piece of that, right, is checking our assumptions about what does this make me look like? I suffer from this horribly. I value education so much. I want the teachers and the principal and the guidance counselor at my kid's school to know, listen, we are involved parents, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to separate out those two things. You can be a great parent, which I think I am, and still have kids who struggle either with grades or with symptoms during school or with friendships. And so separating your own self and what you're doing from the outcomes of that in middle school or high school for your child, I think is the first step. And then, you know, the second thing is really finding a place where you know, and you are supported in the idea of your child, your teenager is going to get there in their own time and space. If your kid learns how to manage the school portal in 10th grade or 11th grade, as opposed to second quarter of ninth grade, you know what, that's okay. You can't rush development. You can support development and you can support success, but we can't rush brain development. And so I think for the parent, it's finding a space, whether that's with a coach, whether it's with a peer group, whether it's with, you know, a group of moms at, you know, the practice where your kid is seen for ADHD or autism or anxiety, 
whether it's a Facebook group, you know, something like your page or my page, but finding a space where it becomes normal to not be in the top 10% of achieving or in an overachiever situation. And, and that is really, I think, vital because our kids, even as teenagers, will take their cues from us. If we have confidence that they're going to grow and they're going to get to where they need to be, they internalize that message. And the other piece of this from a coaching point of view is what are their strengths? So my son has these beautiful, amazing strengths of empathy, of kindness. He's an amazing, inspirational public speaker. In first grade, he was reading at a college level, right? He has these truly exceptional strengths. He also really struggles with math. And so he gets discouraged in math. And I say to him, you know what? Here's the thing, buddy. Your life is not going to be about math. We're going to have to get through math for the next several years. And we're so going to figure out how to do this. But your life is going to be yours. And it's going to be successful because of your heart. And because of the way you connect with people and because of the fact that you are so curious about ideas. So sure, we're going to get through math, but these are the strengths. This is what's going to make you successful. And we're not going to lose sight of that. I think that is so powerful to think about too, because I often feel like for us too, we put so much focus on our weaknesses and what we need, what we're lacking. And we put that off focus on our kids. What are our kids lacking? What do we need to make sure that they have enough of rather than going, what are our children really excelling at and strengthen that focus on that? Because then if we value what is important to them, that's when they become engaged. When we value what they're not interested in, that's when they become disengaged. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, for our kids who are wired differently, I think that the confidence piece becomes even more important and the acceptance and the advocacy. And I think that's how you help them to engage also, you know, is when you have confidence in them and you're willing to advocate for who they are and how they learn, I think then they develop the confidence to advocate for themselves and to ask for what they need. And that engages them. And in my practice, where we work with kids who are neurologically atypical, although generally very high achieving and often, you know, twice exceptional, I still think they need to know you've got them, you know, when school doesn't fit, you know, it's important to acknowledge the lack of fit or the extra challenges, and to then say to them, and you know what, you are tough enough, and you are strong enough. And we together are going to figure out how you can get a great education, how you can learn all the things you need to learn to be who you want to be. And so I don't, I think what I see too often is parents who say to me, he needs to learn how to check his school portal every day. She needs to learn to talk with her teachers. You know what? Like, Don't start with the behaviors, right? Because that's not genuinely the problem. Don't start with, he needs to learn how to study. 
She needs to learn to go see the teacher when she has a problem. That's not the root of the lack of engagement, right? Those are behaviors that are symptoms of the problem, but they aren't really what's causing the lack of engagement. And so I think it does come back to this listening, right? And advocating for your child, both with your child and at school, right? Mm -hmm. So regardless of how old they are, they could be 16 and you could still need to advocate for them and for their right to, you know, learn in a way that works for them. And that starts with them. It starts with having the conversation with your sophomore or your junior or your senior. You know what? It's okay to ask for what you need. It's okay to say to that teacher, that's really not going to work for me. Can we figure out an alternative way of accomplishing that? Yeah. And the, the word together really kind of resonated with me too. And I think that's such an important thing I want to call attention to. It's not about them going and doing it. It's not about you going and doing it for them. It's about how do we do this together? And as they get more confident and competent, you start backing off. You're still there, but you start letting them take on more and more and more as they're learning from you how to do that. But you're always... It, it's together. I just think that that, when you said that, I was like, boom, that is, that is a key word right there. And we have to trust that they can solve these problems, right? Yeah. I think one of the things I would like to see parents stop doing is, is rescuing and providing, well, what you need to do, yeah. well, what you need to do, well, what you should do. You know what? We don't like when people do that to us as adults. Yeah. Well, what you need to do is save more money. Well, what you need to do is stop buying Starbucks. Well, what you need to do is buy a vacation home and rent it out. Well, what you need to do is buy this car. Well, what you need to do is go for that. We don't like that, right? None of us like that. Our teenagers are smart. They've got solutions. And this is the time when they're teenagers to teach them problem-solving skills, right? I'm shocked on this grown and flown page of how often I see parents saying, what should I tell my college students to do about- I can't go on that page anymore. It makes my heart stop so many times, but go ahead. Right? I mean, I want to write to all of these questions, let them figure it out. Remind them how they've solved similar problems in the past. Stop spending time asking other parents how to solve your 20-year-old's problem, Problem. Um, which is different than I feel anxious today because my college sophomore isn't getting along with her roommates, right? Like, let's again get to what's the heart of the matter. It's hard for me to see the C in math, right? It's hard for me when my daughter says she has nothing to eat because her roommates ate all of her groceries. Yes, stay in your space. Stay in your lane about that. You don't need to solve it for them. They are totally capable. And if they're not, then start learning how to help them learn problem-solving skills. Yeah, uh, this is so... I, I love how like direct you are with this because this is so true. It's like, it's not about us. It's about them. You can recognize how it's making you feel, but it's not your problem to solve. And I think that is so difficult for parents to just, it's so difficult. 
And so repeating it in as many different ways from as many different people as I can. So I thank you for that because it's, it's something some people are like, ah, they suddenly get it. But it's, it's just innately so difficult to just accept, I think. So Dr. Russell, how can people find you? Sure. I'm easy to find. Um, we're at russellcoaching.com um, and on Facebook at Dr. Noreen Russell or Rus Russell Coaching and Consulting and on Instagram at Russell Coaching LLC. And the phone number to our office is 212-716-1161. We work with middle school through college students and also provide some parent coaching especially for parents who've recently received a diagnosis to help them navigate through the school plan piece of this, to help them navigate what works in terms of parenting kids with your diagnosis. Um, and then, you know, most of our work is directly with students, helping them learn executive functioning skills, academic skills, and social and emotional skills. So yeah, check out what we do, russellcoaching.com. That's amazing. So before you go, any parting words of encouragement for parents of teens? You know, I asked people this morning on Facebook, and um, I would say, stay, sit, and listen. Stay with your feelings, sit with your teenager, and listen. And then, of course, listen to some of your previous podcasts to really find out what does listening mean? Because listening really means asking the right questions. Yeah, yeah. Not not replying, but listening and hearing. I think that is so, so essential. And it kind of circles back to where we started, where if we want to get our teens engaged, we need to first listen and understand why they're not engaged. Right. So that's so key. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Russell. I'm so grateful you could join us today. Thanks, Dr. Cam. It was a pleasure. It was. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 parenting tips at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and all the helpful strategies that Dr. Russell shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.